Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber, the game hotline 706-0111-706-0111. I had at least two, if not three, conversations yesterday about this subject, and it's amazing how we just cannot get out of our own way in our thinking sometime. The ma- baseball is not football. And I I don't think this is just a southern thing. Like I because I know in the south football is even bigger than it is in other places around the country, but I don't think it's a, it's a southern thing. I I just think it's a sports mentality thing. The idea that, well, the Braves, for instance, are the Braves better than the Nationals? Of course they are. They're way better than the Nationals. Do the Braves have infinitely more to play for than the Nationals? Yes. Does that mean the Braves have this great chance to win? No, doesn't mean that. It's baseball. It is not football. And it's, look, we all fall into it. Some, some people really fall into it. Do you realize how many teams that are 20 and 30 and 40 games behind another team beat that, beat those teams every week? Every day, it's baseball. And the thing that uh, so many, and then and, and look, the, the Mets won yesterday, but they won by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. They won an extra innings. They easily could have lost that game. Easily. You, you, you very rarely have better than about a 60% chance of winning any baseball game that you play. Now, I'm not talking about, like, high school. I'm talking about Major League Baseball. You could play the worst team in the league. They got a pretty good chance of beating you. Put it this way. Every baseball, every Major League Baseball game you play, the inferior team has a better chance of getting a hit than the best hitter in baseball has of getting a base hit. Think about that. Well, you say, well, why is that? It's because in football, you're competing against yourself, the opponents, and the officials. In baseball, you're competing against yourself, the opponents, the umpires, and the piper. And I know a lot of y'all don't get that, don't agree with it, but it's just, you cannot agree with it all your own. It's a free country. You have the right to, to have a, a wrong opinion, but your opinion is wrong. I mean, the pipe, you know, 
when we say things like baseball is a game of failure, what does that mean? That means the piper gets you. That's what that means. It's just, it's just not, it's just different. It's baseball is just different. It's not anywhere near basketball or football. And, and I have the same problem. And I have to remind myself, which is part of why I remind you a lot of the times. A football mentality in baseball is just a dangerous thing. You can just get yourself in a lot of trouble. Um, it's just different. And so once again last night, Braves lose. The Cubs beat the Phillies again. The Cubs are not good. The Cubs have been winning like crazy. They're not even good. They have nothing to play for. And yet, they just beat the Phillies two in a row. Now, the Phillies aren't like 30 games up on the Cubs, but they're quite a bit better than the Cubs over the long haul. But in an individual game in the Major League Baseball, you don't have that big of a chance of winning. That's what's so impressive about over 162, like the Dodgers won their 107th game last night, the Punks, which would have which set their all-time record for wins in a season and would have tied the Astros' record. I don't think the Astros are gonna. They still could get to there, but I don't think I don't think they're gonna. But I don't even know if I, I don't even really think I want them to. The Astros lost the perfect way. They're playing really well right now. They lost a game. Man, there were a lot of extra inning games last night. Like a lot of extra inning games. Um, but no, you have teams beating other teams. It's baseball. So is it possible that the Braves are going to sweep the series next week against the Marlins? I don't know where they're going to be playing, but yeah. Is it possible that the Mets are going to sweep the Nationals? Yeah, but it's not like we have this idea like, oh, man, they're going to beat them. Okay. (laughs) They might. But this idea that it's almost a sure shot, like Rick Barry shooting a free throw, it's not even – that's not even – you're not even in the same hemisphere as baseball reality. You're competing against more in baseball than you are in the other sports. That's why it's a game of failure. And uh, it happens all the time. i tell you one thing. It happened again last night. Cost the Astros a game. And look, I, I, I've, I've grown to appreciate the impact that Candy's had on the Astros team. Candy can't catch the ball. He, Candy at times... He, he has a, a great arm. They call him Machete. And, uh, you know, and he, and he does a great job of throwing out runners. And he obviously does a great job of handling pitchers and the relationship with pitchers. He's tremendous at that. He cannot, he can't catch. Like the balls get by him all the time. Now, in midseason, it was just completely out of hand. And then he kind of has gotten a little better lately. But again, last night. Pass ball. The guy can't catch. Cat better start catching some balls in the postseason. Put the tailgate down, Cat. Go watch some Mike Matheny films. Forget about Tony Pena. Watch some Mike Matheny films. Put the tailgate down. I don't care about Flash in the postseason. Stop the baseball. 
this 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 can't catch the ball thing has got to stop. It's gotten a little bit better, a little bit better. And then again last night, and again, it's one game. They probably needed to lose it. It's fine. I'm talking about the playoffs. That stuff better not come back. He's got to start catching the baseball and blocking the baseball. That's what needs to start happening. Pass balls are for the birds. And even wild pitches that you could have stopped, that, that needs to stop. Not good. Giving up runs for because you can't catch the baseball, uh, that's not good in the postseason. Not good. That needs to stop. Happened again last night. Sieve. I don't want to have to. Uh, Candy's a fun nickname. We can sing the Candy Man. We can sing. We can act. F- but, um, but Sieve. That ain't a fun nickname to have to give your catcher when you're in the playoffs. Sieve. That needs to stop. And again, he's tremendous. I mean, he's like he's probably the leader of the team. He has so much fun. All of, I mean, again, I love him, but. This ain't about him in his little red hair or pink hair or whatever he's got on. It's about you're a catcher. Catch it. That needs to stop. Awful. All right. So it is a busy day with interviews. We're going to be interviewing Southside High head football coach Josh Fontenot next. Then in the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to talk a little fantasy football with the guru. And, and also, as I understand, I have our, an old friend, Dave Schultz, is going to be on and talk about Cajuns in South Alabama. And there's plenty to be said about that. All right, let's take one call on the game hotline before we get to our first time out. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I'm worried about candy, too. I agree. Too much you of that. Keep doing that. It's, he, he can't keep doing that. I'll tell you what else I'm worried about, Kevin. This illness that Lance McCullers has. Oh, yeah. I mean, as I told you last week or the week before, Lance McCullers and Justin Verlander have not pitched together in postseason play for the Astros since the 2018 ALCS against the Red Sox. Now, let me ask you, though, do you have you heard anything – any explanation as to what it is? No, I mean on, on the on the in the message boards and all that. That you know everybody keeps saying it's just an illness or he's sick or the possible flu. But given his history, you know of arm problems and whatever else, I mean it's got to be more complicated than that. I would think we'll see if he pitches this weekend. I mean he's got to get get at least one more start before the before the uh, you know postseason starts. You would think we have a break. You know what I'm saying? Yes. We, you know while the uh, first round is going on, we. we it's gonna be three or four days a week, and I worry. I worry about rust getting rusty. As it no, is, I agree. Know? Uh, so. Chandler reported yesterday. I saw that, and I don't know if he's gonna follow through with that because everything might be decided before the end of the regular season. But, but, but Dusty said that for the integrity of the game, yesterday was the last scheduled day off. He gave. Um, he, El Perro and and, uh, and Altuve didn't play yesterday for the right. integrity of the game since they're playing two teams that are still in the playoff race, um, right. that he was not going to give any more days off for the end of the rest of the regular season. Yeah, 
yeah, that's right, right. Both the Rays and the Phillies, especially the Phillies. Right. The Phillies are, are in a. Um, but anyway, um, uh, I'll, I'll let you go. But I just wanted to say I am I am a little worried about McCullers. So. I I agree. We we I agree. Thank you, Dave. We we made that comment yesterday. I just I you know, normally you hear illness for most of my life, and you don't worry too much about it. But in the last couple of years, when you hear illness, and could you know, it's a little more scary than it used to be, long term. So we'll see how. Hopefully, it's nothing. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Shift gears. I probably need to with all this. Saints injury junk. Saints have 753 people on the injured list yesterday. Unbelievable. It's just every week. It never changes. I'm just so disgusted with all these injuries. How can you be hurt every week? How can 15 people on your team be hurt every week? The other team has two. And it's just every week, for three years, it's been like this. Take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, I hope so. I hope the sun comes up about 11, 15, or 20 and the Saints win Sunday morning, but we will see. Before we get to our special guest, I want to tell you about the Rotary Club auction where you could till, kill two birds with one stone, help a good cause, and do some early holiday shopping. The Opelousas St. Landry Rotary Club auction will be held on Tuesday KDCG, channel 50.2 over in the, on the air. Cox 9, Charter 11, LUS 22. The option begin, auction begins at 6 p.m. Viewers can bid on all kind of items from gift cards to vacation packages, home decor, memorabilia, and much more. All proceeds go to worthy causes and items can be a purchase on pennies on the dollar. So make sure you stay tuned for the Opelousas St. Landry Rotary Club auction Tuesday on KDCG. All right, we have with us Southside High head football coach Josh Fontenot. How are you, sir? Hello. Hey. Well, first of all, congratulations on a very good start to the season. I, I'm sure you had high hopes going into the season, but you never really know what's going to happen, especially – uh, dealing with kids, but uh, it's going about as well as I would uh, you could imagine. It, it seems like uh, we're okay. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I knew that. I mean, the beginning of it's tough. You know, you look at the the schedule. You Notre Dame, Cecilia, Karen Crow, Nish, Barb. I mean, that's uh, that's that's not an easy start. And um, you know, it, especially starting with Notre Dame, and uh, you know, I guess I'll. I've kind of explained to people before, you know, their name's prep for week one is usually about everybody where they're at week five with right. their discipline level and their their preparation and how they're able to do things. And, um, you know, we, we didn't play well against them. And it's you don't play well against a good team like that. You, it's not going to turn out well. Three turnovers and you lose. And 
and then we Cecilia, you know, uh, I think is a very good team, and um, like their only loss right now, I think it's to us. And but five turnovers overcame that, and then it kind of all came together for Karen Crow, and then I think we played well against Mia. So uh, you know, yeah, it's going good right now. I'm scared of this week just because it's Barb, uh, big name, um, a team that knows how to win, a lot of tradition. And they score 40 points a game. So that's always scary when you play a team like that. But we're, ha- we're very, very uh, pleased with where we're at right now. All right. So I want to get back to this turnover thing. Did you treat it like some basketball coaches treat um, free throw shooting? Or do you, where you just kind of try not to talk about it too much? Or did y'all really like hit it aggressively? And how, how, how did you deal with that little turnover stretch y'all had? Oh no, we we address it head on. I, I'm not a you know. It's kind of how we handle things. Of if there's a problem, let's overly work on it. You know, whatever that problem may be. If it's tackling, let's overly tackle at practice. So turnovers, you know, it's fumbling something that we work on all the time, and um, our ball handling and our uh, the way we hold the football. And I think it was more of a concentration thing than anything. So one of the things we did was stress to our defense whenever we're practicing um, our, you know, our, our south side offense to uh, make it a point to really not not even worry about tackling us. Let's let's try to rip the ball out to where it was an all day affair of people trying to take the ball from our running backs and different uh, things with our ball handling. And the, the one of the biggest things for us was for land and our quarterback who is you know is really our best player um just not forcing things and once he did that and against karen crow it understood that hey sometimes those guys win and we just need to eat it and move on to the next play um that alone eliminated you know that was of the eight turnovers we had in the first two games four of them were just us trying to do too much. And if we had just, you know, ate the ball and fell down and moved, just try to get forward, get a couple yards, we'd have been fine. So uh, once Landon really adopted that and, and went at that full speed, uh, that really helped a lot. So, you know, yeah, no, we attack it head on. All right. Again, we're speaking with Josh Fondo, Southside High head coach and, uh, Southside, you can hear their game against Barb tomorrow, Mustang 107-1, or, or you could hear the Barb side of that right here on the game, 104-1 Lake Charles. But t- um, when we spoke to you at the beginning of the season, um, you talked about a new defensive philosophy, that a little bit of an experimentation, and I tell you what, I haven't seen any of your games, but I've looked at all the box scores, and it sure seems like it's working like a charm. So tell us about kind of that secret to success there. Well, I, I uh, it was a little experimental. We, you know, we worked on it probably since mid-March, and um, it, the best way to describe it for us is, it allows our kids to play to their full potential and maybe a little bit beyond because it eliminates a lot of thought. And we try to do that as much as we can with anything we do offensively or defensively to where if, if a kid has to think a lot on the field, we feel that we're slowing them down. And, you know, we looked at our team, and, and right now our starting defense, we have one guy that's over six feet tall. So, you know, you're trying to play 5A football and you're just going to be a little bit undersized. It doesn't mean we don't have good football players. I think 
when we all thought we had good football players, especially on our defensive side of the ball, we were just for us to ask them to play, play traditionally where we have to uh, read and react or hold a gap, it just wasn't fair to that kid to ask him to do that. It didn't mean he wasn't a good player. So this defense that we found um, or this defensive scheme that we found allows our kids to play freely. And, you know, they have an assignment. It doesn't matter really what the other – what the offense does. They have an assignment to do. They they do that assignment full speed. And if everybody does their assignment together, it all fits. You know, now when, when you start blowing assignments like anything else, um, you, you can have some trouble. And, and look, we've, we've had holes in it. You know, Karen Crow uh, did some things to us that, that gave us some trouble. We were able to adjust a little bit. And so did Nish. So we're still learning, you know, all the adjustments in game. We maybe don't react to things coaching-wise that we should uh, as quickly as we should. But I know this, that our kids are bought into it. It makes them a lot more physical. Uh, it makes them a lot more aggressive. And uh, it's working for us right now. Uh, Barb will be a challenge because, you know, Barb's been running that their version of a spread offense for a long time. So they're going to have some answers to to what we do. We they've seen our defense now on tape for four weeks, and they'll have some answers to to things that that we've been doing. So it'll be another challenge for us to see if we can um, answer back. I've seen Barb play a couple times the last few years, and they've had some really nice playmakers at the wide receiver position. Is that still the case? Yeah, the kid number two, I can't even remember his name, but he was our MVP of the district last year, and rightfully so. He, he's, I would put him up there with one of the better players in the state. Um, extremely fast, unbelievable ball skills. They'll hand it to him in the backfield. Uh, he, he gave us hell last year. He scored two of their three touchdowns. Uh, I think he led their state in receiving. He's a phenomenal player, and they got a good quarterback to get it to him. Starter got hurt. I don't know if he'll play, but the backup was was he didn't skip a beat. The only difference was uh, the backup was right-handed. So uh, they're good. They're they're very good um, defensively. Their defensive line is pretty good, and their secondary and they just play so hard. You, you notice that about four since I've started coaching against them. I guess now four. You this will be the fourth year. You turn on the film and it's and you got to get ready. They they come after. There's a lot of pride over there, and they play really, really, really hard. And their schemes are tough. Now I don't, I'm sure you. Uh, I'm thinking you might have seen them on film. Sam Houston's. Am I am I seeing that Sam Houston's improved from last year's year from what you've seen? I'm, you cut out a little bit. Sam Houston was what that. It seemed like they've improved from last year. Just yeah, they have. They have. Uh, the second year under their coach, their quarterback's a junior who was he was really good and played really good as a sophomore, but you know could tell was a sophomore. But they are they're they're a lot better. Um, they you can tell they know you know it's kind of I, I kind of compare them to us in the second year of our system. You know they didn't really change systems, but uh, they're just more comfortable with what's going on, and you can tell uh, for them to be barb. That's a big big thing for them and especially in overtime and then they've really scored some points against Como, uh, which we hadn't seen yet on film, but um no, they are. Sam Houston's playing better. Uh we maybe thought Sulphur would, would um have some more wins by this point, but uh the Lake Charles schools I think I think are I think are better than all three I think are better than last year. So getting back to, to the bar passing game, so far this year 
you know, Notre Dame could throw it a little bit, but they're a running mm-hmm. team, and Cecilia's got more of an athlete at, at quarterback. So it, it, is your concern pressure on the quarterback from what, what y'all are doing, or is it just simply being able to cover in the back here? Still a both, and the way that we defense works, it kind of works together. So, you know, it's no secret if you watch us on film that you're gonna get blitzed every play. And I don't, I don't say that like uh, a cliche. No, it's literally every play we're sending at least five and sometimes six. So, uh, but the the whole part of it is that you know the coverage in the back is a little different than just blitz and play man. Um, so we need us get pressure because the quarterback's good enough to pick us apart. And and then at the same time, you better keep everything in front of you because if number two gets loose, uh, it's it could be a long night. So our focus, honestly, of the week has kind of been this simple old-school tactic of just pursuit because the first one probably not going to get him. Um, and, and they're good enough and smart enough at ball to they'll throw bubbles, they'll throw little spot screens, they'll fake those and throw them deep. Uh, they're going to throw a lot of different versions of wide receiver screens, tailback screens. So uh, the one thing that we can do to make sure we defend that well is just pursue like crazy. So we have to tackle with, you know, two guys and have nine others coming. Uh, so that's kind of been our focus this week, to just get them down, and then eventually we can uh, we can get a stop. If we can make them drive 80 yards, that's a lot better, and we got to eliminate the big play, which which we've done so far this year. All right. Besides eliminating the turnovers, which is you know got to be number yeah. one priority for any offense, what's the next step? Where, where do you need to get better offensively between now and, and and the playoffs? We need to be able to throw the ball a little more consistently. Um, you know, we threw it well against Karen Crow, and you know, well for us was three for four with two touchdowns, and and that's that's an effective game for us whenever we're with, with, with what we do. But um, that needs to happen every game where is, you know, like Cecilia, we completed one pass for negative three yards and Karen Crow used two for four. And then you, uh, we didn't, we threw it somewhat okay against Nick. We need to know that we can complete, you know, six to eight passes a game um, for, you know, big first downs or big touchdowns that, that, that's something that we're trying desperately to get better at, and we work on it a lot. And it, 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 it's coming at the beginning of the year. When I tell you the jamboree and the scrimmage, if we'd have completed a pass, it was a miracle. And now now we're getting to complete a little more, and I think the more we work on it, um, the more consistent we'll become. But if, if you had to put your finger on something, that's what it is. It's so funny because, what, just two or three short years ago, y'all were completing <laughs> passes like crazy. Yeah, it's been a uh, <laughs> it's a little different for me <laughs> at practice. Yeah, uh, to to watch us uh, do this option stuff, and you know I've grown to love it. I'll be honest, I, I can't hardly watch um, college football anymore. I, we I watch LSU because I'm a fan, and you know we like watching Malik. But uh, I, honestly, we me and Coach Mono, I was the coordinator. We, we record all of the Army, Navy, and Air Force games, and we watch those. <laughs> that's, you know, that's kind of what our offense is now. And, you know, when you watch college football, uh, everybody is still running for it and it's throwing all around. And I know that's fun, but um, we've done that. It's it's uh, we like our little our little niche offense that we're doing, and uh, we're excited about it. Our kids like it too, and that's the thing. You know, it's uh, they understand that it's a little different, and maybe it gives us a little bit of an edge. 
All right, Coach, I just wanted to catch up with you. Notice how well you've been doing, and congratulations, and good luck to you. Appreciate it, as always. All right. Josh Fontenot, as I've said, I'm I'm really old, so I remember watching him slinging it around the field when he was a high school player many moons ago, um, back when the Saints didn't have 15 injuries on every single practice. I'm not bitter or anything about that. No, Southside, the Sharks have been doing very well. And it's kind of funny, I was thinking while he was talking, you know, when when he took over and, and they started their program and, you know, then and now it's about trying to catch to Acadiana or at least compete better with Acadiana. And now their offense kind of sounds like Acadiana. If I go three for four with one or two touchdown passes, that's a great passing day. That's kind of how it's been at Acadiana for a long, long time. Um other than that one game against Lafayette High, we'll see how that goes because they got kind of an elite receiver there. But um, interesting to see the progress they're making. They're doing a good job there for sure. All right, we will take a timeout. When we come back, we'll have open phone lines for this next segment. Won't have any for the – well, other than the next segment and the first segment of the 10 o'clock hour, and after that we won't. So if you would like to call, be a good time to do so. The game hotline is 706-0111. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to – Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the 13th Gate giveaway. Well, there's several ways to do it. This way to do it, all you got to do is text. Text GATE, G-A-T-E, to 337-283-8100-283-8100. If you text GATE to that number, you might win tickets to go see 13th Gate, one of the top haunted house attractions in the country, brought to you by Midnight Productions and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Um, Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. One one on this Thursday. We talked a little bit about Major League Baseball because we've got now less than a week in the regular season. Got a couple races coming down to the end, and um, it is um, you know it's going to be exciting weekend there. I think they're both off today. Mets play Braves three game series tomorrow in Atlanta. And the Mets are now up one game. And so if the Mets win one game, they're going to have a, a really be in really good shape. The Mets are up one and a half. They're not up one game. Essentially, they're up a game and a half. So if they win one game, if they win one of three, they're still going to be up a half a game Um going into that final three-game series. And in that case, they just need to match the Braves, which they may not be able to do. We'll see. I mean, they, you know, they've been struggling. They haven't, you know, they have not, even when they beat a lot of these teams, they are just barely beating them. So it's, um, they ha- they're they not exactly in a, in a you know, cruising right now. And so we'll see how, how that plays out. Hannah's Mariners won a game last night, finally. But, the, 
You know, the Orioles, I just, they have been very impressive lately. They had to pay the piper a little bit yesterday. They've been scoring way too many runs, and so they lost 3-1. to one. They, they were due for one of those games. The piper got them where they only scored one run because they had scored like 14 and 13. They were just getting crazy. So the piper had to step in, and they scored one run yesterday and, um, and gave up three, and so they um, – they got beat. They're still four and a half out. I, it's still mathematically possible, but doesn't really look good for them. So we'll see. Uh, and I look, I'm glad. I don't want no part of playing the Orioles. I mean, the Astros have struggled with the Orioles uh, in the last nine games that they've played them. And so I don't, I don't. What did they won three times? I think they're three and six against them in these last those last nine games, and they were very fortunate to win two of the three that they won. I mean, it's, it has not been a lot of fun playing the Orioles, so I don't want any part of them in the postseason. But um, so we'll see how, how that plays out. On the football side, uh, when I walked in, um, I heard the, the the cheery news that Jamison practiced again today, but it's kind of funny. So, reportedly, Dennis Allen said yesterday Jameis – is still planning to play Sunday. So if he didn't practice on Wednesday, and so and according to the reports, he wasn't even around, and then he didn't practice today. I mean, obviously that happens sometimes, but that's in a, you know, quarterback who's been there for a long time and have been playing with the players a long time that's not a big of a deal when you when you're still in preseason mode and you've got an injured quarterback and and he's still obviously not on the same page with very many of his receivers other than Wes Chandler seems like there's the only guy he's on the same page with um you know it, it's it's deeply concerning you know if you you know, we're just we don't know what they're thinking. We're just trying to fill in some gaps here. Um, and it seems like they're going to be more set up because, to my knowledge, Batman isn't taking any snaps at quarterback till this week. So the fact that Batman took some snaps at quarterback means that they're preparing more for the possibility or the likelihood of Dalton playing and therefore needing Batman to be a backup quarterback if Dalton gets her. Um, you know, I don't I don't know that, but it just seems like that's what's going on there. Uh, I hope that they can utilize Batman. I mean, it's just he's got to throw the football, not all the time, like once a game maybe. Just once a game, Batman needs to throw one pass a game. I'm not talking about all the time. Can he throw one pass at least every other game? Throw one pass? Just to keep it. I mean, I, just to keep the defense honest. I just don't understand why he doesn't do that when he plays. You, you got to throw. Because, again, I understand the mentality. Like Gerald Broussard tells this story from the 90s, which is funny to me. Almost everything Gerald says is funny the way he says it. But it was back in the 90s when Jake was playing quarterback and they had a kicker um, named Mike Schaefer. And they ran a fake and Mike Schaefer didn't complete the pass. And it was just, as the story goes, Coach Stokely was like, y'all are mad because 
Mike Schaefer threw the, didn't complete the pass. Y'all are mad at the punter, at the kicker for not completing the pass. He's the kicker. He's not the quarterback. But so I understand that mentality. But but Batman kind of is a quarterback. Like he's played quarterback. He can't, he's not like your typical running back or wide receiver that you're asking to throw the ball. And it wasn't like he just played quarterback, you know, in high school or in college five years ago. He played – a lot of you didn't like him, but he still played quarterback. He completed passes and won games completing passes. I'm asking him to throw like one pass a game. I'm not asking him to go 45 for 48. One pass. And if if Batman's throwing one pass a game, probably to Coach Fontenot's point from last hour – I mean last segment – that guy's going to probably be wide open because if it works and you catch him off guard, he's throwing to a wide open receiver. I guess they're kind of holding that in their back pocket for a win. I don't know. And you say, well, no, Casper didn't do it either. Just like yesterday, somebody was trying to tell me Casper never ran the ball in second and 10. Casper ran the ball in second and 10 all the time. I complained about that all the time. You know, not that much has changed. It's just they're not on the same page, and they're always hurt. Not on the same page, always hurt. All right, the other issue, speaking of quarterback around these parts, is the quarterback situation at UL. In yesterday's press conference, Coach Dez understand what he's doing um basically what happened was in the in all season long coach Dez has said they have a you know every essentially every third drive he was going to put Ben in and it was scripted and he wasn't changing it um and he has fought the concept of a two quarterback system from the beginning and I agree with him on that well in Monroe, the Cajuns scored touchdowns on their first two drives, and then he stuck with the script and put Ben in. Well, they didn't score on the third drive. And so, you know, everyone was up in arms. A lot of people were mad. That cost him the game. I disagree with that. What cost him the game was you you botched some two plays on special teams, and if you didn't do that, you win the game. Um, But yesterday, or last night, in the post-practice press, weekly Wednesday press conference, he uh, said that he did that because he told them that's what he was going to do, just like they had done all year. And so he stuck to his word. Well, now, as of last night, what he said was, that's probably what they're going to do, but he's going to tell them in a certain situation like last week, he, he might change it. In other words, he, he wants to tell them, he wanted to be up front with them about that, that that change is possible, even though if they don't score touchdown, touchdown, probably he's going to stick with the system. I understand all of it. I just don't agree with it necessarily. I, I just, look, I think two-quarterback system is not good. Not a fan of two-quarterback system. Coach, Dez is not a fan of the two-quarterback system, and most of you are not fans of the two-quarterback system. I think I, I, can, I can buy a scripted system f- for this reason. Everybody knows what it is. If you stick with it, everybody knows what it is. 
whether you're in or not in is not based on your performance in that in a in a scripted system and that's why some people say they've had a two quarterback system all along i disagree in a scripted system two quarterback system to me to me is chaos it's confusion and because it's based on performance a true two quarterback system if you do the scripted thing it's not based on performance so everybody knows going in when they're going in and why they're going in but the minute you go deviate from that, even if it seems as hard, I just think you're asking for trouble. Because here's my issue. We, most of us agree that this offense has no identity. If you, if you start pulling quarterbacks based on performance or, or your quarterback rotation becomes based on performance, then you have even less of an identity than you did before. I think... If you start have performance dictating who's playing quarterback and you're not using just one quarterback, you're just you're just like a dog chasing his tail. I, you re, long term, I think it's going to do a lot. I just don't. I I if they ask me, and he's not going to ask me, nor does he care what I think. But I I would not want to go down that road. If I was a fan, a diehard fan of the Cajuns. I I would say uh, you don't want to go down that road. It's too many decisions. The decisions are too hard. What happens at that point, the last thing they need with two quarterbacks who are struggling and who already are pressing, two quarterbacks that are already kind of, uh, you know, struggling, trying to find their way, the last thing they need to say, oh, if I don't get it done in this, I, mean, I might not play the next one. They, they're already pressing. It's already a mediocre offense right now until they hopefully they get things going. I uh, just it's just one more thing to have to worry about and deal with. I I think it's a I think it's chaos when you go down that road. So we'll see what happens, but I know a lot of you like hearing that. I did not. I think it's going down a road that's in the long term will hurt you in my opinion. I am not a fan of two quarterback systems. All right. We will take a timeout. Come back, finish out the first hour next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. So we want to remind you. Um, we we want to remind you about the 13th Gate VIP tickets. If you would be talking to you about the text club, the text way to do it. Now you can do it, also do it, get win VIP tickets by simply joining the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the Game 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles. All right, that'll about do it for the um the first hour of footnotes. Again, we're gonna be talking fantasy football with the guru in the next hour and also talking some more Cajun South Alabama matchup with, with Dave Schultz. So uh lots more uh football talk on the way. And then the if you would like to call in, talk major league baseball or Cajuns or Tigers or Saints or Cowboys. Certainly feel free in the first segment of the next hour. Um, the second hour, you could call in and, and we could discuss some things. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of angst right now. Just a lot of angst. I mean, we've got 
you know, McNeese is off to a struggling start in a rebuilding year. The Cajuns are off to uh, a disappointing start at two and two. LSU's the one that ironically had the biggest question marks or the most question marks. Well, maybe McNeese, but of all the teams that we talk about, McNeese had, I mean, LSU might have had the most question marks, but early on, looking the most promising. All right, that'll do for the first hour, another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, again, lots to discuss. We've got a lot of issues with the Cajuns, the Saints. LSU's playing Auburn on the road this weekend. And then a huge game the following week with Tennessee. McNeese has got its first win. And, of course, high school football. There, It's not... It's not a big schedule for high school football. Only three games involving Acadian area teams. Um, Abbeville's off to a 3-1 start as one of those games. They're playing West St. Mary. But not not an overall big weekend of uh, big Thursday night schedule tonight. We've actually had quite a few lately where it was like five or six um, games in the last few weeks. Only only three tonight. So, the you know, all of our teams – um, pretty much that we cover uh, are going to be playing tomorrow. It's more of a Friday-heavy high school football schedule. And we we talked to Coach Josh Fontenot from Southside. You know, St. Thomas Moore's hosting Denham Springs. Acadiana's playing Como. Um, and DeKaren Crow Bears are, uh, are going to be at home again on, on tomorrow night. So, um Lots of high school football, and we'll be talking more about that tomorrow. Again, if you would like to get in, the game hotline is 706-0111. Something else to mention from last night's UL press conference with Coach Dez is that last week for the first time in the game in Monroe, the offensive line didn't really do any shuffling. They kind of played the same line the whole time, which they had never really done. Like, it's not something that, you know, since Coach Napier got there in 2018 when Coach Sale back then was the was the OC and the O-line coach, they kind of started rotation. And I asked Coach Dez about that last night, and he, and, and he said they're going to go back to rotation. It's just kind of something that happened for several reasons, but that they were going to go back to it. So, um Kind of expect that to happen. Um, they um, the other thing is for the first time the depth chart was the depth chart released last night was virtually the exact same as it was as it's been all season really. There have been very few changes to the depth chart. Um, one of them though is that Lance Lejeune, former quarterback who we talked about about three weeks ago moving to wide receiver, was the first time he was actually listed on the depth chart. And so sounds like, you know, at least there's a chance maybe he'll play. He did play at the very end of the the Eastern Michigan victory. 
caught a couple passes. So he has now changed his number because I never understood how from the very beginning when I still the season, like when I saw that he was number nine, I'm like, this isn't working because Neil Johnson on as the tight end moved to number nine. So uh, Lance Lashurn has officially changed his number to 12 and he was listed on. Um, he, he was listed on. Uh, as number 12 on the depth chart. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Speak to someone I've been uh, interested, been waiting for the call because I've got some questions for him. Hello. What's going on, Brother Kale? Man, boy, do you have a tangled web over there. Yeah, man, yeah, man. I'm just just like you sitting back. It's preseason football, so uh, all I can see. I mean, they don't – it's not like – it's not like we did in the past. They played four games, and right now they, they don't want to play. And then when they play, they get hurt. So I don't. I, I just don't understand all these injuries. It's all over. It's like as soon as they hit the field, they, they get hurt. Kevin, I, I'm not understanding what's going on. It it, it is it is amazing. Um, it it is. I, I can't. You know why so many and why so many? I mean, I get like you know you get a season-ending injury. And, and maybe some of it is, um, maybe some of it is. We, we, it's a long season, so we want to try to get them healthy, so we can have them for the long haul. The problem is, if you preseason or no preseason, if you if you start out one and three and one and four, it's hard to make that up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, what are you going to do about your quarterback situation? Um. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if you uh, when you watch the game. I don't know if you. Well, they start talking about it in the press conference. Jimmy told Shanahan's players suck. <laughs> now, about that? I, I did see that they had they, they were put they get some they got some lip readers, and yeah. I actually saw it live. I remember thinking, what is he saying right there? And I, I didn't really think anything of it. But uh, supposing they got some lip readers and he was tough. That's a shame because, you know, there's all kind of things that go between a quarterback or any player and a coach during a game that you don't really want public. I mean, that's kind of an unfortunate thing. But, yeah. It, well, well, what happened was Shanahan told him to go to a certain plate and Debo was wide open. That's where he wanted to go, but he went where Shanahan wanted to go. And that's why he said this place suck because it's like, Shanahan want him to go to like don't it's like for whatever reason he want him to if I call a, a out to IU that's where you go you don't you, to get the ball out of his hands because right. the offense of the tackles is 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 backup tackles so that's what it was and he felt that he had time to get to Debo and that that's what happened they both talked about it and they let it go but I that that's what it was he, he was upset because of that 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 it's like the first read got to go. But that's the problem. We got tackle problems. I guess he was protecting him, Kevin. I, I'm, that's the only thing I can say. He was protecting him from getting sacked. So he just told him just go straight there, and it he that's what he did. So I don't know. It's preseason. Our defense okay. It's just, I, I, the running back, that's what's hurting us. Man, we, we, we going to be practice squad, man. Well, um, you play the Rams. You kind of match up well with the Rams, but are you in a are you healthy enough in a good enough position to take advantage of that this week? You there? Are you in good enough position to take advantage of how you normally match up with the Rams? Oh, I know for one, they ain't running on us. They ain't beating us deep. It's just about Cooper Cup. That's about it. Yeah. 
And I don't think Stafford going to have time, like, talking about it. So it's all about what we can do offensively. That's, that, that, that's, that's going to be the thing. I mean, if we, can, if we score 10 points, we ain't beating nobody. So Shanahan going to have to fix the offense. All right, that's, that's, that, that's what it is. He get getting paid. He's he the offensive guru. So you, you got to do something, my brother. I mean, your defense kept you in the game. Then Russell Wilson turned into Seattle. I thought I was playing Seattle uh, the last five minutes. <laughs> so I was so mad. I said, look at this. Now I'm playing Seattle. <laughs> so well, I, was like, I was like you, Kevin, walking back and forth. I said, that oh, yeah. don't make no sense. Preseason <laughs> football is not fun. I, I'm just... You know, I can't wait for the football season. Can't wait for the football season. Football season don't start to October. I mean, but, it's just but the so, thing about, I'm so the sick thing of about this. It, I just don't understand the injuries now. Like, they ain't got hurt like that back in the days. Yeah, I just crazy. don't understand those injuries. It, it, it's, it's crazy. I don't know. It's frustrating. It's beyond frustrating. I appreciate the call. Hang in there. All right, my brother. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I was, you know. I love Dwight, but I, I was very glad his team got beat. Um, um, very t- glad his team got beat by the Broncos or by anyone, but especially the Broncos or the Saints. But, but no, it, 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 it's it's matchups fascinate me, and the the Cheaters kind of own the Rams, and yet they're kind of limping right now. So that that to me, that's going to be a very interesting situation there very interesting situation before I forget someone texted me and I'm not I don't really know all the background of this but in the Astro game last night there were some people doing some fans doing what looked like a gator chomp I don't understand where it came from but there's a couple fans that they're 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 Chaz McCormick fans so I'm just answering this gentleman's question they're Chaz McCormick fans, and their little we love Chaz McCormick, who my daughter loves too, and she calls him Rin. Uh, they their little we love Chaz McCormick is somehow looks like a Gator Chomp thing. I I don't know what the connection between Chaz and and McCormick and this Gator celebrate. I don't know. That's just what they do, and and they. They're, they're like, they're big Chaz McCormick fans, and they do this little gator chomp thing. I, I typically don't worry about that kind of stuff, and I don't. I, I just don't know. They've probably explained it on the air more than once, and I probably have just ignored it because I'm worried about what the next pitch is going to be or whatever. But, uh, but no, it, it's some sort of Chaz McCormick. We love Chaz McCormick dance. So that's, 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 that's the best I can do. If somebody else... Who watches the Astros or listens knows. Uh, feel free to call and, and inform us because I'm I'm I don't know any more than that. I just know it's a Chaz McCormick thing. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. It's so it's so nice to hear you. You know these days and how how much how you didn't change and the sympathy level has got a little bit better. Stuff you know. It's nice to hear you these days, man. You see, you show changed a lot over the years. You know, sometimes for the best. I really have not changed. No. Yeah, you changed a lot for the best. No. Kevin. It used to be a rod. Used to be a rotten egg, Kevin. No. You was rotten, Kevin. You no. one of the most rotten guys around. Kevin. You <laughs> no. just got so much sport hatred built up. Oh, I got. I still, know, I have just, the same amount of sport hatred built up. It's the same amount. You sure? Yeah, I think so. 
I think you let a little bit go. I think you let a little bit go since you, you know your blood pressure has been messing with a you. Lot so of, you it, it, the other of it has stuff. nothing to do with me. It has to do with the fan. Like there's a couple – like if you are a fan of, say, the Cowboys – and you call like some of these cowboys call, and you act, you know, and you're just, and you're not trying to hold a reasonable conversation. You're just trying to be smart aleckly. Then I'm going to be a little more. Sh- I'm going to talk. I have no problem talking about any team, and and we'll we'll talk. But I'll probably be a little shorter, not probably quite as uh, conversational. But if you call and just yeah. talk about your team, I got no problem with it. Dwight uh-huh. calls me. And he doesn't talk trash. He doesn't try to belittle the other teams. He just he just uh-huh. talks about his team. I got no issues with that. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Just don't be uh-huh. an elitist. I understand. It all sounds good. You know, yeah. I understand. It's true. I just wish it was like this. You, you know, I was thinking about that yesterday too. I saw one. I was trying to figure out yesterday that but, moment with the Greg Olson moment. Uh huh. The rant with Greg Olson. I was trying to figure out was that a Buford T. Justice rant. Uh-huh. You got like Buford T right there, you know yeah, that, huh? Yeah, kind of like that, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, you was you was one foot away from being Buford T. I said, man, I saw you missing was the hat. I saw you missing was the hat you on ju- there. You just and need that, that, you just you, you just need to go Kevin back. Buford. You need to go back to all the conversations you had <laughs> and think about what you said. Think about that. <laughs> think about that. Well, I can't go back that far. Oh, I don't yeah. think I can. Yeah, you can. You can. You know. You you know, you start getting old, things change. No, I, that's true. That's uh-huh. true. I try to tell my wife and, and, and daughters that. Don't they, don't, they don't believe me. I don't, I don't even fish as good as I used to. Kevin. Oh, I don't I believe that. A few the other days. that. I don't believe that. No, I don't believe that. I missed a few the other days. So I'm telling you, when you get old, things change. Oh, no, you know, you, when I'm thinking you, about you, that, I say, Kevin T. Justice. No. That would probably be his new name on the air. Kevin T. Justice. I like Justice. that. I, I'm, justice, is should, justice. justice should be the number one priority. I agree with you. <laughs> I just wish NASCAR believed that, which they don't care nothing about justice. Thanks for the call. Take take care. All right, take care. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, get Guru on the line on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you about... Uh, the Latin Music Festival, again, we mentioned yesterday, lots going on this weekend in the Acadiana area, sports and otherwise. Park International will be having the Latin Music Fest, family-friendly family event. Puts a spotlight on the Latin culture where you can celebrate all the bold tastes and sounds of that Latin culture. Admission is $10. Kids 12 and under get in free. Cuban superstar Sima Funk. Headlines, the lineup of Latin artists. That's the Latin Music Fest this Saturday from 4 to 10 at Park International in downtown Lafayette. For more information, visit festivalinternational.org. All right, we have with us time to talk a little fantasy football with the guru. How are you, sir? Hey, Kevin. Uh, doing pretty good, man. Just, uh, I don't know if you got my text last night, but I had a little epiphany there that you probably – Kind of glad we're kind of glad we, we can we can we can get into that shortly. So when did that epiphany take place? 
Oh, yeah, yesterday, actually, because I was just getting so frustrated going through all the injuries with the, with the running backs. And it was one after another, Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, now Christian McCaffrey again, all these injuries. I mean, you know what? It's just, it's just not worth taking them in the first round anymore. It's just the, the, that ship sailed, man. They've just gotten to where they, they're even more injury-prone than they were before to the point to where they just – and the receivers outscore them. So to me, if you're in a PPR league, you just you just gotta bite the bullet and go receiver. <laughs> so, is what you're saying that, like, let, let let's say with that in mind, let's say you were holding a draft today, would you pick like Justin Jefferson number two or three, or who would you pick? Yeah, How oh, would yeah you rank- definitely. I would I would probably still say Jonathan Taylor number one. Because he's a few, one of the few reliable backs, he seems like he's still pretty reliable as far as. He didn't practice yesterday. He was another one, but I don't think that was anything serious. So I would say Taylor won Cup 2, Jefferson 3, if I had to do the draft over again. So basically, I mean, you obviously can't do that. So I'd say trade, y'all, trade, trade these running backs. I'm sick of them. Trade Christian McCaffrey. Trade. Derek Henry. Hell, trade Saquon Barkley. He's probably going to get hurt later on. In other words, sell high. Correct. Yeah, I'm just, I'm going to try to do that in my league. I'm done with running back. I'm just, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. Nick Chubb, yeah, sell high. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, I've been fighting this mentality for almost a decade now. And, and, because for years, I just, I would draft these. Everyone says, you're a complete imbecile. Why are you even playing fantasy football if you don't draft a running back in the first round? I said, okay, y'all put more thought. And, and then every time I did it, they get hurt. And I'm like, uh, why did I pick this guy again? How is this helping me? I, I just kept saying that over and over. And, and now this year, I, I said, I'm done with it. I, I picked a quarterback in the first round. I said, you know what? This is a league about points. And so I'm going to pick the guy in the first round that scores the most points. Yeah, in our league, quarterback premium, where the quarterbacks get more than, than the typical standard format. So, yeah, I would uh, – Yeah, you, I mean, you're 3-0, and Cat. I mean, everyone made fun of you for taking Josh Allen number two, but your record speaks for itself. Well, and look, the injuries play. There's a lot of luck that's involved, and a lot of injuries that 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 play involved, and all that. But it, it's just, again, I can't ra- kind of rationalize. You know, Dwight was just asking, like, why so many injuries? It just seems like there. It's even more than. Not only is the league going away from the valuable running back, it seems like more of them are getting hurt now. It, it, it's it's just bizarre. Yep, and then it's just the receivers are getting more and more like, I mean, in the points. I mean, I know you hate PPR, but, I mean, this is, this is more, my point was more for PPR leagues about the running back versus receiver thing because the guys, like, even the number one running back, you know, Saquon Barkley, he's getting outscored by four of the – by four wide receivers. Four wide receivers have more points than in, in PPR right now than Saquon Barkley, who's been the number one running back. All right, so how worried are you right now if you own Austin Eckler? Uh, I'm not too worried because he's not really like the traditional back in the sense that he's not getting a whole lot of carries. He's still getting those those like those kind of cheap receptions. So if I mean, and if it's a standard league, oh, I'm very worried because if he's not if you're not getting points for the receptions, then he's 
his value's tanked for sure. But if you're in PPR, I would say to Corey because he, he gets enough of those cheap catches where he should, as long as he starts getting more touchdowns, he'll be all right. What happens if you see, you know, not only have they, um, you know, Keenan Allen's been banged up, um, but they lost their tackle Slater for the year. So if you have Justin Herbert, it's, that's got to be a little scary. How You know, we all can see yeah. how talented Justin Herbert is, but we can also see how bad he looked last week. And uh, obviously they're going to make some adjustments, but it sure seems like they're in a, in a transition mode right now. Yeah, it's not looking good for the Chargers. They're just they're just cursed. I mean, I, I just can't say I'm shocked. Cause, I mean, they just I picked them to win the division, but I'm looking back on it, I was stupid because they just they just it just never seems to happen for them. They look good on paper. They get a bunch of injuries. They lost Joey Post, their best pass rusher, freaking Rashawn Slater, their left tackle. Keenan Allen's banged up. Herbert's banged up. They just they can't do anything right over there. But for fantasy, it'll still be pretty good because they'll probably be playing from behind. And also Herbert, without his left tackle, probably be dumping it off more shorter passes. So it kind of hurts Mike Williams, the field stretcher. But as far as, like, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, it probably helps them because they'll be getting more of those short to intermediate routes. All right, so let's look at tonight's matchup. You know, the Dolphins and the Bills had this exhausting South Louisiana just, you know, they, it was just, it looked like – that that game kind of reminded me about in the old days when two boxers used to go 15 rounds and they were both just completely exhausted at the end of the game. So, yeah. how much you know the fact that Miami's got to play on the road on a Thursday after a game like that is not good. So, would that affect your fantasy decisions for the Dolphins if you have one of their players? Uh, potentially, you know, I would say I wouldn't be super high on Tua tonight. I know Troy, Troy's super high on him. He always is. So, uh, <laughs> but I would say this. I mean, I would say tread lightly with Tua. But if you're in a deeper league and the quarterback waiver wire is not too hot, then don't be afraid to start him. I mean, he, I think he'll still be a borderline top 12 quarterback. Because him and Burrow tonight, it should be a shootout. Should be a fair amount of points scored. So we're like, you know, start the receivers, start Tyreek Hill, start Jalen Waddle, start Jamar Chase, start T. Higgins, you know, start mixing, you know, start start your studs in this matchup because there are a lot of them. What about, you know, I, I'm going to allow you here to kind of do a little bit of a touchdown dance because you have stuck with Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville's looking pretty good. Yeah, they really have. Yeah, I'm impressed. You know, if it, there's still some people that don't believe, though. It's crazy. Like, what does this man have to do for people to believe? He's just, he's been, he's been doing it. He's showing that now that he's in a legitimate system and not stuck with the goofball Meyer, that he's, he's got a very solid quarterback with elite upside. And his receivers aren't that great on paper, but they've stepped up Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. So he's showing that he can work with, you know, if, man, imagine if he had, like, really great weapons or, like, you know, like Brady or something. I mean, he'd really be great. And then James Robinson's kept it up. So hopefully Travis Atien can start getting in on that phone because that offense is looking nice. It looks like there's mostly awful line, um, fantasy matchups all week long, but one that just looks like an over-the-top good one is the Bills at the Ravens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it'll be. Oh man, yeah, that's the highest total 
of the week set by Vegas, and rightfully so. I don't even – that's 51 and a half. I see that going over because that's just – you got to start everybody there, especially with the Bills, you know, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. This should be a great Gabe Davis week with the way the Ravens secondary is not too good. He should be able to – take the top off there and have a big game. And as far as the Ravens, they should be able to do pretty good, too. They don't have as many must-starts because Lamar Jackson's basically their whole offense. Out of, you know, Mark Andrews is still that guy. And then Rashad, excuse me, Rashad Bateman, I like, too, this week. So they've uh, they've got pieces, too, and it should be a close game. But overall, I probably prefer Josh Allen and the Bills. So... How do you kind of gauge this whole hurricane thing? And we don't know unless they've announced something this morning that I haven't heard where the game's at. The whole Chiefs-Buccaneers thing. Yeah, that's kind of a weird situation. They did announce that if it will be moved, it would go to uh, believe Minneapolis. Yeah. They'll go in the, uh, the Viking Stadium, which, I mean, it's a dome stadium, but it's Kind of strange. You'd have thought they'd have gone done it at the Superdome because the Superdome was available. And I mean, the Saints and Viking stadiums are available as they're in London this week. But there, they said they'll go to Minneapolis if needed. So that'll be kind of weird. I don't think it'll really affect things. I mean, Brady and Mahomes; those are both primetime quarterbacks. They're used to playing in you know different kind of environments. They've their season. I don't see it affecting things all that much. All right, so what about – how worried are you if you own Devonta Adams? Not worried at all. Raiders are going to bounce back. They're the only 0-3 team, and they're not that bad. I mean, come on. I don't think they're not as good as I thought they were going to be, but Devontae's still producing. He's still a top-10 fantasy receiver, and he's a, you know obviously a favorite of Derek Carr. Derek Carr loves to lock on to his number one receiver. He's not that good at spreading the ball around, so – yeah, Devontae Adams, he's a, kind of a good buy-low candidate because he's, he hadn't produced quite as well as we thought, but I think better days are ahead. Are are you picking up Cooper Rush? Oh, no, no, not buying Cooper Rush because, I mean, Dak Prescott will be back soon against the Commanders. It's a pretty good matchup, so I guess if you're in a deeper league and need a streamer, you could be worse than Rush, but I wouldn't recommend it in most leagues. So you so so you're not buying it. How about um, you know Kyler Murray in that situation? Um, well, you know some people I'm sure stowed away Hopkins, but I mean they normally start fast. Now they're not even starting fast. Like, what do you even think about the fantasy weapons on the Cardinals? Because Connor's not doing anything either. Right. Well, the good thing is they throw it a bunch because the Cliff Kingsbury is an air raid attack. So the good thing is that even though Kyler Murray himself not been very good, I mean, he's been throwing it enough to where both Marquise Hollywood-Brown and Greg Dortch have been very consistent. And Zach Ertz, you know, they, they, they've been able to be, even though the team stinks, they've been quietly consistent through the air. Kyler just hadn't been getting a touchdown, so... As much as as frustrating as Kyler is, better days are ahead. If you have him in fantasy, just stay the course. You know, if you want to trade him, maybe, but don't sell too low because this guy is still—he's very athletic. I know he's a punk, but he's he's athletic. 
He's very talented, and he should start running more soon and getting more touchdowns. So they're going to have to. They, I mean, they're going to have to make adjustments to what they're doing right now. It isn't working, but uh, even with that being said, I still think those three pass catchers that I mentioned are, are fairly reliable. All right, before I let you go, what what one or two or three injuries are you really going to be eyeing over the next couple of days? Oh uh, yeah, mainly these running backs, you know, like the ones like it, it looks like it's pretty straightforward that Cook, Montgomery, and Swift are going to be out. So make sure if you like Madison, have him ready. If you you know Jamal Williams and Khalil Herbert, all their backups. So luckily for those situations, they all have clear cut backups that should do pretty well this week. Other ones though, I mean Christian McCaffrey. Here we go again. Didn't practice yesterday. Due to a calf injury or quad injury or something, some sort of lower leg thing, that's not a good sign. So uh, don't be shocked if he ends up not a go. I mean, it's just it's just the same sad story with him now. It seems like ever since he had that thousand thousand season, and then also Amon Ross St. Brown didn't practice yesterday. I saw that. Yeah, concern. he's day to day. And so if you have Amon Ross St. Brown, keep a close eye on that because it's looking like he might not go as well. Detroit. Detroit's in a lot of trouble this week. I'm thinking Seattle could sneak up on them because Detroit's so bad. I'm hoping up. that head. I hope that helps TJ Hawkinson, who hasn't done much so far this year. So we'll, he's we'll banged see up too. But I, yeah. I think he'll go. But that's another one to keep an eye on. He didn't practice yesterday. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, Guru. Well, I've been arguing and arguing and arguing it. So you know, you, I, I might not. I might not end up looking too stupid after all. We'll see how that plays out. I appreciate your time as always, sir. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I had to give you credit on that one. And it's funny because, like, if you played PPR, you'd really be winning with that strategy. But in the in standard, the way that our league, I still, in that format, the running backs, I'd probably still, even with my rant earlier, I'd probably still go running back in standard format because you're not getting any credit for the reception. Y'all just really love injured players. Thanks for the call, sir. <laughs> no Take care. Never seen people that love injured players. All right. I'm so sick of injuries. I, I just I just can't do it anymore. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, shift gears, talk to our old friend Dave Schultz. Cajuns, Jaguars next on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is something that our, our, our guests were about to get to right down his alley, not mine. Trail is putting on the Sugar Man Triathlon and Duathlon this Sunday, October 2nd. It's Sugar Mill Pond in Youngsville. Spectators are invited. It's an all-road sprint, a 5,500-meter swim, a 15-mile bike ride through Sugar Mill Pond development. The Saints will probably have already killed me, and if not, this, this would kill me. Volunteers will receive free food, drink, and shirt. For more information or to register, visit latrail.org. Trail is a nonprofit dedicated in building and improving outdoor recreation and local parks. All right, we have with us our old friend Dave Schultz. How are you, sir? There is no way I'm doing a triathlon. (laughs) I have a 5K max. (laughs) I can't even... I don't Not even know an eighth of a K. I, I don't even think I could do. But anyway, uh, we, we we hooking up with Dave to try to uh, get, to discuss Saturday's Sunbelt Conference game, homecoming for the Cajuns in many, 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 many years. Scheduling South Alabama for homecoming might not have been a good, not a bad idea. I don't know how good of an idea that is this year. 
No, South Alabama's good, and they're so good. They got starters from last year that didn't make the two deep this year. They did a, a great job with the transfer portal, uh, starting with the quarterback, uh, Carter Bradley, and it, it goes from there. James Miller, who played for Kane Womack at Indiana, is inside linebacker. His pressure last week forced to pick six. The South Alabama team is good. They are, you know, one botched fake field goal away from being 4-0 and having a win over UCLA, so – they're pretty good. I, I like your coach. I interviewed him at Sunbelt Conference Media Day, and, and, and he's a good guy. But, man, he's got to still be kicking himself for that call. I mean, I, I just – Yeah, I just, yeah, he is. You know, that, you know you know the way – this is the way I feel. It was the, uh, you know, Sean Payton, smartest man in the room play. Uh, his running back was cramping up. Uh, but, you know, I could design a play to go get two yards. Uh, so, yes. and then But he was he was also upset with the way they played. And this was the first time I've seen him angry following a loss. Like, they lost last year to the Cajuns in a game they should have won. You know, they lost to Texas State. They should have won that ball game. Could have beaten Coastal. Uh, probably should have lost to ULM the way they played. But this is the first time I saw him upset. And he wanted to make sure uh, that they didn't, you know, lose to La Tech, a dangerous team. But they responded in a big way. And you kind of compare that to what happened to – you know, I know it's a different level, but Miami didn't look very good against Texas A&M, and how did they respond? They got boat raced at home by Middle Tennessee State. So I like the way that Kane approached uh, last weekend's ball game and the way they're approaching this game. And he has not been shy, saying that the, the Cajuns have set the standard. They're the standard bearer in the Sun Belt for the last handful of years. Uh, and there's, it, to me, it appears there's a couple of teams at least looking to take that mantle from them for at least this season. Certainly. I, I you know, Watching teams like South Alabama in recent years and uh, Arkansas State and some of these, I, I I watch them and I would say they just need to run the football and and right. and South Alabama is done now. Like this running back to me has made a huge difference in their team. Yeah, it, it starts with the offensive line as it usually does. The offensive line, Kim Womack says, is the best, most improved unit on the squad. And that is a big deal because there's the running back room, as you mentioned, uh, the linebacking room, the defensive line. The defensive line literally is a two-deep, whereas they just rotate guys in and out. You'll see the whole defensive line switch depending on reps and and the play. Uh, And then the defensive backfield is really good. Uh, And so when, you know, uh, LaDainian Webb, you know, he's Mr. Football here in Alabama a few years back, went to J.C. He's a little small. Uh, The problem was he – he hurt himself in spring ball with a bad foot, and then he hurt himself right before fall ball with a broken wrist. And so he's just getting into game shape. So that goes along the lines with, uh, you know, cramping up during the UCLA game. Uh, and they do run the ball really well. I mean, they're, what are they averaging, like 170 yards a game? And the Cajuns give up 134 yards a game. So if the Cajuns want to win, they're going to have to slow down that running game. That's for sure. Also, Kevin, you'll love this. They, South Alabama is among the nation's leaders in time of possession. Last week was a low, like 30 to 31 minutes because of the turnovers and short fields. But, you know, I think heading into last week's game, they were basically averaging 38 minutes of ball game with time of possession. That's really good. Absolutely. So tell me, how much does Webb catch the football? They do a little bit. He, he catches the ball a little bit out of the backfield. Uh, a couple of guys to look for uh, local products. Uh, Colin Lacey uh, out of Faith Academy, he had a punt return. He's being uh, not used out of the backfield anymore, but used, being used in the slot, and he can be a deep receiver as well. And then uh, where Eric Guerrero went to high school, uh, McGill Tulin 
there's a freshman, uh, Braylon McReynolds. He is not that big, but he's really fast. And so if he can break one tackle, you know, not going to be three yards. He's going to get 30. So Braylon McReynolds is the backup now uh, for LaDainian Webb. And, you know, those are, those are two big-time play guys that I would be um, be focused on if I am the Raging Cajuns defense. You know, it's it's kind of weird because South Alabama, you know, they haven't had a ton of success, and their offense hasn't always been real prolific, but they've put out – they've had such good receivers the last three or four years. Yeah, I mean, uh, Baker, Quan Baker is on the practice squad with the Saints, at least for the time being. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, a third-round pick. He had – of uh, the Cowboys, he had his first catch in the NFL – uh, last uh, last week or this past Monday against the Giants, uh, and now you got Jalen Wayne, who's also from a local product here uh, in the area. So uh, they're a little bit more balanced in the wide receiver room. Uh, uh, Voison is um, a really good again slot receiver that you'll see on a crossing pattern or two, and so they are they are kind of loaded at that wide receiver uh, spot. And and watch out, they like to throw to the tight end, Kevin. They love to throw to the tight end. Well, we're both big tight end guys, and, and the Cajuns are <laughs> the Cajuns are actually better at tight end than they've been in a while, and uh, right. they, they've thrown to them they've thrown to them quite a bit a, as well. So, is UCLA throwing the ball kind of the at at times pretty effectively? The only thing, the only kind of potential or anything close to a crack that the defense has shown this year. Uh, probably right. I mean, that was an odd ball game. Uh, right, because the only time UCLA actually punted in the game was in the fourth quarter. So after they punted, South Alabama got the ball and, you know, had a chance with the fake field goal or going for it on fourth and two. But by that time, I guess Womack didn't trust the defense to, you know, stop them. And so, I mean, with the DTR, uh, Dorian uh, Thompson-Robinson, you had the, the run and the pass you had to deal with. Do, do the does South Alabama have to deal with that? I've seen Chandler Fields. I think he ran for a touchdown last week. But yeah, but they're not run running a whole much. Lot. No, no. And Ben Rollerich doesn't run at all. So I'm not sure that's going to be a, a major problem uh, for the South Alabama defense. Chandler Fields may run around the pocket, but he's not a running quarterback, right? He no, no. Now, now Woolrich had Woolrich had a really nice, like, 19-yard run up the middle on, no. on, like, third and 17 last week. He can run a little wow. bit. But, look, neither one of those guys are runners. So, I mean, they can't run. Either is Carter Bradley. Yeah, either is Carter running. Bradley. He's not going – he might run uh, on a scramble, but he's not. They, they don't have RPOs where he's running the football. Let, let me ask you, and it's still, obviously, we're still just, this is the second conference game, so we we still got a lot to learn. But if I told you right now that the two best teams in the Sunbelt Conference are South Alabama and James Madison, what would your response be? You very well be right, uh, might be right. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I guess Coastal would have to be in that argument. Uh, you want your head to hurt, though, because South Alabama has a relatively easy Sunbelt schedule when it comes to the East, they don't play Marshall, they don't play App, they don't play Coastal. They do play Georgia Southern, and they do play Old Dominion. You have any idea what the tiebreaker is to host the Sun Belt Championship game if South Alabama has the same record as the Eastern Conference Pro, and you don't have to worry about James Madison because they they can't qualify for us the game, so it'll be the second place team. You want your head to hurt, Kevin? Uh, my the Saints are already hurting my head. So if you if you <laughs> can ease my pain there, help me. Well, the first thing is college football playoff rankings. That's number one. Yes. Then somewhere along the way it goes down to if the team won their last ball game. So because it, it, yes. it could be no head-to-head. Because if it's App State or Coastal, 
there's no head-to-head in there for South Alabama. Uh, so it could come down to, did you win your last football game? Uh, and most likely, if you're in a tight situation, I presume that you will. It does happen to be that South Alabama has uh, Old Dominion at home as their last game uh, to wrap up the season. Which, which um, they're not bad. I mean, that's not a – No, no, they're pretty good. Yeah. No, they're pretty good. You wait, wait. I don't know if you've seen them, but they got that 6-8 tight end. Loving that. So, it, I, you know, I, I, I said – in in analyzing this matchup, nor you know, the Jags have done better in just about every football statistic you can look at so far this yeah. year. So normally I say, well, you go to turnovers. The problem is the Cages have five; they forced five turnovers in the last two games, and they're zero and two. Right, and I, the, the Cages are going to have to do more of that. All right, so the uh, the turnover thing may be a little skewed because a lot of Tech just kept on handing them the ball. Right, they forced five turnovers against La Tech, still had one. Uh, but somewhere along the way, to win this ballgame, I think uh, the Cajuns are going to have to have a, an Eric Error, you know, punt return for a touchdown and probably a defensive score or at least put them in position to have that. Because if they're trying to go toe-to-toe with South Alabama, I don't, I don't think they can. The Cajuns need this ballgame to be, you know, kind of like last week's game or 23-20 to or 21-17 or something along right. those lines. I'm not sure the Cajuns' offense, uh, given that even though I know they scored 49 against Eastern Washington, but that seems to be more the aberration than the constant. South Alabama hasn't scored less than 31, and that was in a loss. Uh, and that could have been a win, but you know it was a loss. They haven't scored less than that. So if the Cajuns think they're going to keep up with South Alabama, I don't think that's going to be the oh, case. No, they got to steal some possessions, it. and they got to score – uh, or put themselves in position to score after a special teams play. Absolutely. We're going to get to see you this weekend? I am going to be there. Are you treating me? Are, we, are you treating me to praise on? Oh, no. Oh. Ah. You, you, you can come watch a high school football game with me Friday night. You want to do that? I, I got one. I'm actually getting ready. You know, I got this team in Sarah Land. I mean, how many sophomores do you know? Maybe Shady McCoy is the only one that I ran across. This kid's already got a, a, a nickname of Hollywood Williams. He's a sophomore. Wow. Ryan Hollywood Williams. Probably another receiver that LSU is going to get. <laughs> well, I, I'm fairly familiar with Sarah Land. I stayed there several times, so I'm um, I'm good with Sarah Land. All right, I will well, be in, I'll be out there tailgating on Saturday uh, morning, afternoonish. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing you as always. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks for your time, sir. Thanks, Kevin. Take care. Dave Schultz obviously been here. And Dave is now in Mobile doing a great job. Always enjoy catching up with sports with Dave. Look forward to seeing him this weekend. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Want to remind you again, it's a busy, busy weekend in the sports world and around the Acadiana area, including the Roberts Cove German Fest. Come celebrate German-style heritage. The Robert Co- Roberts Cove German Fest is Saturday and Sunday in rain. There will be traditional German cuisine, music, dancing, plenty of German cultural activities, a rice threshing demonstration, antique tractors, and you can take home a German cookbook from the gift shop. Kid-friendly event this weekend at the St. Leo Catholic Church in Roberts Cove, just off Rain exit 87 on I-10. For more information, visit robertscovegermanfest.com. That's robertscovegermanfest.com. All right. 
Good to catch up with Dave. And, you know, I think he's right. Uh, you know, on the South Alabama on the line of scrimmage is just better than the Cajuns. I still remember three seasons ago when the Cajuns went there. And in the first half, South Alabama beat the Cajuns on the line of scrimmage. That was three years ago. And two years ago, the Cajuns had arguably or one of their better games of the year and handled them pretty good. Last year, Dave and a lot of us have said South Alabama should have won the game. The truth of the matter of that game is the Cajuns should have blown them out. But they, they, it was kind of like the Monroe game in that the Cajuns should have beat them by worse, but they didn't. They let them off the hook with some things that didn't go well. And then at the end, South Alabama could have won with a field goal and, and the kid just missed it. Well, so far this year, that same kid, I hate, I don't like left-handed kickers either. Uh, looks like I don't like left-handed quarterbacks, but he's made, he's five for five in field goals. And so the same kid that missed last year hadn't missed one yet this year. We'll see how that plays out. Appreciate Dave and Guru and Coach Fontenot and the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.